When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Podcast. What is up, college lacrosse fans? You're watching another episode of the Lax Factor Podcast. This is another weekend recap show. We actually are doing three recap shows. We did a recap show on Sunday, uh, Saturday for the Syracuse game, Ohio State game, and the Navy game. We're doing a recap show today, and we're going to talk about Loyola and Virginia. We're going to talk about Towson and Hopkins, and then a couple of other games. And then tomorrow's recap show, we're going to talk about the OT thriller between Maryland and Richmond. We're going to talk about UMass and Army and a bunch of other games as well. Before I get into it, as always, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, just blindly hit that like button. Uh, down below. That'll help us get this video out. You can share it with your friends as well. And you can go to laxfactor.com, get yourself some swag, hats, t-shirts, mugs, whatever. So let's uh, not delay anymore and let's get into this. The Loyola and Virginia game. I'd pegged this. I figured it might be a decent game. I figured there may be a little bit of revenge happening on the Virginia side. And uh, we learned a lot actually about both of these teams. The first thing that we learned about Virginia is that Alex Road. He came at least for uh, Saturday's game. He came ready to play. He played well from start to finish. Looked like the senior leader that Virginia needs him to be in order for them to be able to have a shot at repeating. They needed Road to be more consistent. He was solid through the playoffs last year. A little bit streaky during the regular season, at one point even getting benched. So this game... I think legitimately this game would have been a lot closer if it wasn't for Road. He had 10 of his 19 saves over the course of the first quarter. Had he not played well and stood tall and been in good positions over that first quarter, Loyola has a lead at the end of the first instead of the game going the way that it did. Schaefer, uh, Loyola, they lost an All-American goalkeeper. Uh, and Schaefer in goal, the freshman, he looked good for Loyola. He had 15 saves versus 12 goals against, so he played solid. Great goalkeeping on both sides. U UVA, they came out firing on all cylinders right off the bat. They were leading at one point 9-2, at another point 11-2. And then Loyola installs a zone defense, and then that slows UVA down a little bit. UVA's shot selection went into the crapper. That helped Schaefer kind of get settled in to the point where he could start putting some saves back to back here and giving Loyola a chance to chip away at that lead. And that's what they did. Now, the stretch where uh, across the second quarter, pretty much where Virginia started to to get their initial spread, uh, the big reason was Petey fucking LaSala. LaSala, the faceoffs were tight early. But LaSala dominated the second quarter overall, and that helped. I think he dominated. I think he went 5-2 and two over the second quarter, and that kind of helped Loyola or, uh, Virginia get a little bit of breathing room before the half, and then you saw them never relinquish that lead, uh, obviously, after that. UVA, 
right picked up right where they left off defensively last year. They played a little bit of bully ball again. They were in the box a lot, and that kind of helped Loyola once again chip back into this game. But but more importantly, I think they were willing. I think it was one of those deals where Virginia looked like they were willing to eat some box time in order to make sure they won that physicality battle, which they did. They win the ground ball battle 44-30. to 30. They pretty much won in every stat that matters outside of face-offs overall. They lost. But uh, LaSala, he went 10-20 uh, on the face-off. So he split with Loyola's face-off guy who played pretty tough overall. And then the other two guys that took face-off, Schwenk and somebody else for Virginia, they both lost. So in all, great game. Uh, I, I did expect a little bit larger of a spread, but three goals, that proves one, Virginia's ready to handle their business. They're not going to drop uh, some of these games early. I think they're going to probably handle their non-conference schedule early. Out of Loyola, though, they proved they can play ball. Offensively, they struggled. Offensively, they didn't look all that cohesive. One thing I did like was Kevin Lindley was wearing the number seven, so Lindley changes his number He's wearing Pat Spencer's number seven, so it looks like they're going to start handing that jersey down to the next man up. Overall, great game, though. Loyola proved that they can play and look for Loyola to be a little bit more dangerous later in the year as they start to figure it out on offense. You know, they figure out life after after uh, Pat Spencer and Chase Scanlon. So for Loyola, Swindell, he looked good, a goal and three helpers. Aiden Olmstead, two goals and a helper. And Lindley wearing the coveted number seven for Loyola, two goals. For UVA, Matt Moore, three and two, good day for him. Ian Laviano, two and one. Peyton Cormier, he is a redshirt freshman midfielder. He had three goals. So one of the question marks for Virginia was going to be who's going to step up and get solid midfield minutes and put up some points at the midfield to replace uh, guys that they lost, like um, I'm drawing a blank here on who they lost at this moment, but oh well. Uh, but, you know, Cormier, he looked good. Kraus, two goals. Doc Aitken was quiet, goal and a helper. And Jared Connors on defense had three cause turnovers. A lot of penalties, like I said, on the defensive side of the ball, but I think that was part of it. Uh, They're playing physical. Ryan Conrad, they, they had to replace Ryan Conrad's points at midfield. That finally came to me. My It's early in the morning here on Monday. I'm shooting this the same day. I'm putting it out. So my brain's not fully up to speed yet. But all in all, good game. Good things for Loyola to take away from this. Good things for Virginia. Hopefully Alex Rode keeps playing like he did, and that, that's going to be really good for Virginia and their chance at getting back to the Final Four. The next game I wanted to talk about, Towson and Hopkins. Once again, revenge game. This one went a little bit more the way I thought it would, although Hopkins looked a lot better on offense than I thought they would without Epstein. Epstein still day-to-day. Epstein suited up, warmed up, didn't play. So he's day-to-day. He may play next weekend. We'll see how that goes. But I figured without Epstein that Hopkins' offense would struggle a little bit more, and they didn't. It was a good game early. Hopkins won the first seven face-offs uh, of this of this contest to you know jump out to a five one lead so that proved that Towson losing Alex Woodall that proved to be a huge loss we knew that it was going to be Cole Williams and Brett Baskin they looked decent on attack Williams looked really good on attack both carrying dodging distributing scoring goals I think he went three and four on the day Cole Williams did so he looked great with Epstein out defensively. For Hopkins, they look good. Caldwell, the only starter with any experience. I think he had 43 starts coming into this game. The other two guys, zero. However, overall, defensively, they look defensively, they look good. Ryan Darby got the start in cage for Hopkins. He looked good. Uh, he was streaky last year, and there was a lot of question coming in who's going to be the starting keeper for Hopkins in 2020. They didn't announce it until that morning, from what I understand. Darby gets the start. 
a little bit of loyalty shown by Petromala, and he you know proves him uh, right with 11 saves uh, versus just seven goals against. Now, in fairness, Towson's offense looked awful. Graduation murked them offensively. They lost 120 points uh, losing Sunday and his other line mate. So they're going to need to look better uh, offensively to help this defense out because defensively they put it together. They had a they, they had a really good defensive showing. Canto played well in cage, but their offense, they did look rough. Their leading scorer, to prove this, their leading scorer on the day was a defender, All-American Kobe Smith. He went two goals. He went for two goals and two helpers on the day for Towson over the run that got Towson back to sixes. So Towson was losing 5-1. They end up, I think it was like 6-2 at one point, and then they go on a little bit of a run. Kobe Smith scores on an outside shot on a slow break to, to get things back to sixes. And then from there, Hopkins rolled. They end up chipping away. They take an 11-7 lead by the end of the third en route to the 15-7 win overall. The big surprise of the day, though, with no Epstein, Cole Williams looked incredible. Three goals, four helpers. Connor DeSimone, three goals. Evan Zinn, one of the question marks for Hopkins, just like it was for Virginia, who's going to step up at the midfield? Who's going to be the midfielders that step up and play tough for Hopkins in 2020? And Evan Zinn, I didn't like his shot selection, and I thought he took a couple of popcorn shots here and there, but he goes for two goals and a helper on the day, and it looks like he could be one of those rangy Dodgers, a guy that can, when you need someone to get space and to get a shot off, he can be that guy. I think he just needs to improve his shot selection, put a little more mustard on the ball here and there. But Darby, Darby as I said, 11 saves, that was great. Towson. Man, led by Kobe Smith, two goals, two helpers out of a defender. A defender was their leading scorer, and I don't think anyone else on the roster had more than two points on the day, so he goes for four points, their pole. Tyler Canto, 15 saves versus 15 goals. That's actually a good outing for him. Uh, he'll have a great season, I think, that Canto will. And as we dig a little deeper and we go further down the rabbit hole of these games here, the next one I wanted to talk about was High Point and Duke. High Point Duke, heck of a game here, uh, at least early, with uh, Duke kind of jumping out to a little bit of a lead. High Point getting back in it and keeping things interesting. And uh, once again, though, Asher Nolting, quiet. I'm not sure what – I think with the High Point offense, they look just – they look like everybody's trying to force it a little bit too much. Last year, they played really unselfish lacrosse. They shared the ball well. They kept the ball moving around the outside. So far this year, they are struggling to kind of find an identity around Nolting. Even though Nolting's the man and everybody knows that, the amount of attention that he's getting, they're not adjusting to it. It's a lot of guys standing around as a guy's going to the rack. So whether that be Nolting going to the rack and guys are standing around or or uh, Schleppy, he looked decent yesterday. Hendricks, once again, looked good. He went 2-1 and one for high point. But overall, they're just not – not looking tough. Ben Baker was quiet. Hunter Vines was quiet. I think for High Point to be successful, they've got to get the ball in Hunter Vines' stick more. He's that kid that can get separation every time he touches the ball. He should be the one dodge every time he's on the field, and I think that will open things up more for Nolting and company. But on the Duke side, pretty impressive because Dyson Williams, he goes 3-2. and two. C.J. Carpenter, three goals. Cameron Badur again, he goes for two goals, two assists. Nakai Montgomery had a bounce-back game. He goes for a goal and three helpers. So Duke spread it out all up and down their roster. A bunch of guys with two points. Manown with just two points. Cameron Mule with two points. Uh, and then a couple of guys with one. Quigley, you know, Carpenter, Tyler Carpenter, long pole. Uh, he ended up with a goal. So Duke looked good offensively across the board. It took them a little while to get going, but once they got going, 
They rolled. And interesting note, Turner Upgren did get yanked in the first half, and they put in Andrew Bonafidi, and he goes for six saves against four goals against, so he did look a little bit better than Upgren. But we've been wondering, Upgren did not look great against Air Force. I said last week Upgren had to play better in order for Duke to, you know, do okay in the ACC and just do okay in their non-conference. And he ended up getting yanked in the first half, and uh, Bonafidi looked a little bit better. In fairness to Upgren, there was only one shot that, that he let up that I didn't like. It was that shot that he gave up just before they yanked him on a man up where it was right in its stick side. He just double-clutched, and it went over his over the head of his stick. So that was it. But, you know, it was enough to get him yanked. He hasn't shown enough yet to earn that spot. So it'll be interesting to see what Duke does next week with him because, ugh, man, you know, you got to have a – when you're Duke and right now you're kind of trying to find your identity offensively, you need a goalkeeper that's going to make stops consistently, and he wasn't doing that for them early on. Another game I wanted to talk about, Penn State-Villanova. We don't have highlights or anything for this one either, but holy cow. Uh, I, I was thinking Penn, Villanova, they've, they've had a penchant for playing teams tough early in the season and for upsetting teams. They've played Penn State tough early in the season. They played uh, Yale tough prior early in the season, and uh, not the case here. Penn State beats them 19-10 to 10 as we look at the usual suspects for Penn State. Mac O'Keefe, four goals, three assists. Jack Kelly had a good day, four and one. Grant Amet, three and five. Dylan Folds, three and oh. So last week, my gripe with Penn State in their win over Lafayette was that they just didn't get enough guys' touches. It didn't look like they were gelling as one big cohesive unit. So it looks like they shored that up against Villanova uh, this week en route to a bunch of guys getting points. And I like seeing guys like Kelly and Folds and Malone all getting points. That is going to be key. Even Gerard Arceri got in on the action and uh, scored a couple of goals. Uh, Kobe Kniece, he looked Solid in cage. Kobe Kinese has not I was I've been expecting Kinese to be a fifty-five percent save percentage guy and up through the season. So far that hasn't panned out, but once again, kind of dealing in a beatdown game here. And uh that's going to happen, I would suspect. So that was that game. And then there was another game I wanted to talk about here. We had the two D three games that I wanted to talk about. We have Salisbury and Lynchburg. I don't remember what I set the line on this one, but I think it was about Salisbury by three. And they end up beating Lynchburg 16-9. to And York and Washington and Lee, and this is one I definitely got wrong. I had Washington and Lee beating York by a goal was what I assumed. I thought that York lost enough and Washington and Lee retained enough that they were going to be able to turn the tides, beat their rival York in this one, and they didn't. York handled their business 13-9 and over Washington and Lee. I'm really bad at, at making predictions is what it really comes down to. And uh, so that's it for this week's show. We're trying to keep these shorter, trying to keep these in the area 10 to 15 minutes, and we'll just put multiples out so you'll get a show every Monday and every Tuesday, as I already said. In tomorrow's show, for those that made it this far, we're going to cover the OT thriller, Maryland versus Richmond. We're going to cover UMass and Army, and then a bunch of other D1 games uh, throughout that we'll get to as well. I've watched a boatload of lacrosse this weekend. I think I watched uh, pretty much every game that ESPN had on except for UNC Mercer. So have a lot to talk about tomorrow as well. As always, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell so you're notified when we put out more videos and you can go to laxfactor.com, get yourself hat, t-shirt, swag, coffee mugs, whatever. As always, thank you for watching. Be sure to come back tomorrow for the second half of the preview show and Hoost is out.